to another edition of Lost the Handle Podcast. My name is Colson. I'm here with Elliot Grossman. And we are going to be talking some playoff standings or playoff brackets. Uh, I know we're usually in this point of the season, I wouldn't necessarily say it's too early. But this is one of the rare situations where it's a little bit too early. We're still about six games in or six games left. Uh, we have the four through... So I guess the fourth of the ten seed, we see teams starting to separate a little bit in the in the West, but it's still okay. So between the five and the ten seed is three game difference, and I think these they are inter conference games at this point. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't taken a look at all the schedules, but I do believe Most. few of these are inter inter conference. So you could swing two games yep. in one actual like one game playing against a team, could move your two points in the standings which could put you in or out of the playoffs. So we could be seeing last day of the season, teams going in and out of the playoffs. And not just that, they could be out of the play-in, out of, go from in the playoffs to out of the play-in in one day. Because there's once we there yeah. could be ties, and then there's a bunch of tiebreakers that we got to start thinking about. So we're getting up to some pretty wild, um, wild times here on the West. The East is a bit more separated out. Before we go any further, what I do want to do is con- congratulate the Kings for yeah. breaking. I think it's the longest play- playoff drought in yeah. American sports at 16 now years. Now it's the Jets, right? That makes sense. That sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If it wasn't for the Raiders making the playoffs like two years ago or last year. Oh, I guess they made it in 2016. I was going to say they were, yeah. they were probably a contender. But what are the Jets at? Probably like. When was the last? I don't even remember the last time they were any good. I feel like they had a wild card back when they had like Darrell Revis and Rex Ryan, but I don't know what year that was. Do you? Uh, so I guess the Jets played in the playoffs in 2010. Okay, 2010. So 20, 13 years ago. Yeah. It looks like they're headed back, though. I mean, they're about to get A-Rod, right? Yeah. Uh, and they got, uh, they got some decent players over there. Uh, yeah. But I mean... There's, I think the Kings were a team that even we were pretty pretty down on. Uh, but Mike Brown, man, he's turned that organization around. Do you think of him as a top 10 coach? I mean, not yet. It's t- not way yet. too early to say that. Uh, I think he really improved under Kerr, though, don't you? Oh, 100%. I mean, he was at – he was coaching um, – Cleveland. Uh, yeah, and then the Lakers. Lakers. But the, like the Nash-Kobe Lakers before they fired him and replaced him with yeah. – D'Antoni, I want to say. Like, he, he was getting paid by the, both the Cavaliers and the Lakers while on the Warriors staff. So yeah. he's a smart, obviously a smart guy. Um, but he took I, I think he was always players. a good coach. And I think he took it to the next level. You kind of started to see it with Team Nigeria in the uh, Olympics. Um, you know, he's running a very similar system, which is almost like the Warriors meets the Nuggets offensive system. Um you know, where it's like they run it through, uh, you know, Sabonis is their Jokic and all these dribble handoffs. And it's actually very creative, like the way that they do these dribble handoffs where Sabonis almost like bounces the ball hard and like so he can come up into the defender and set like the screen super hard. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Sabonis will probably, like, I don't think he's the third best center in the NBA. Um, I'd probably put Anthony Davis as my third team all NBA center this year. But I think he'll. I think there's a good chance Sabonis gets it, if especially if AD gets slotted as a forward. Right. Yeah, I the mean, Kings, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think 
that pairing and the thing that they've done is their defense has really taken a step and that's what Brown was known for with the Warriors. He was yeah. often credited as him and Rod Adams were credited as the guys who really made that defense run and look what's happening now. The Warriors defense is, I mean, it's quite literally held together by Draymond and yeah. the Kings have this seemingly t- this team that's when you look it at it on paper, exactly. I don't see that. I mean, you got Fox, Sabonis, uh, Barnes. Monk is a defensive liability. I mean, Horner tries yeah. hard, but he's not a good defender. I I don't know how to feel about Barnes defensively. I've always kind of felt like he's a good defender in my mind because he had the ability to play up. He could play their forward position, and we saw him as this power forward when we went small. But also, he was able to play up because – he was next to Draymond Green, right? right. Draymond Green and Iggy, center. and that was when Iggy and, was, exactly right. And so, Iggy was like his. I do think was. of Barnes as a, but he, I think last year uh, had the worst field goal percentage against. Um, I think that had more to do with the Kings than him. He had to do a lot of off-ball defense, like just having leaving a man open. I don't put that as much on Harrison Barnes. I do think he has taken the step back, probably defensively. But listen, Brown's getting under pressure up. They're playing hard. They're bought in as a team. Do I think this team makes it past the first round of the playoffs? I, I don't personally. Uh, uh-huh. I, there is a path for them. Um, but I think he has absolutely had them overachieve in the regular season defense. Um, yeah. Whether or not that can translate to the playoffs is a whole different story. Because, you know, I mean, as as this podcast, or any listeners to this podcast know, I don't think you can win a championship with Jokic. And I think Jokic is a much better defensive center than Sabonis. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, though. You look up and down, especially in the West. I mean, it's pretty wide open at this point to me. Yeah. I would the the pairing of Fox and Sabonis at least this year. I mean, I, I think in a vacuum, I take Booker. But when sure. you look at pairings and Booker and Aiden, I mean, would That's you take him or do you take Fox or Sabonis? And this year, I might take Fox and Sabonis. Right? I think that's they've shown a lot of growth and. The, I think that look- says more about Aiton. I guess you're right. It does say a lot about Sabonis. Sabonis, I never thought like the all-star was deserved, but he's going to be like an all-NBA center this year, third team, mm-hmm. but he's still, right? So, I mean, but also it says something about Aiton has taken a step back. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, still. Yeah. The, and the, this is the the Suns are just, I mean, the Suns are now ten, five and five games back from the Kings. Uh, which was I mean, the Suns were at the top of the league, I think, at one point earlier this year, but it was pretty early. Same thing happened last year with the Hawks, and exactly. now the Hawks are almost out of the playoffs or play-ins. Um, <laughs> but moving past the Kings, I mean, again, congratulations to the Kings. Uh, but want to talk about some too early brackets, uh, and so you went through uh, and started putting some some matchups together. I think it's just only makes sense to start in the play-ins and. Uh, let's start on the East uh, because I think sure. that's, I think we're getting a clearer picture of who's going to be in the play-ins altogether. The play-in was still a look, looks like a little bit of mixing around between the seven and nine seed. Um, but who do you got in the first round? I mean, I guess in the seventh and eighth seed, ninth, tenth seed games, and who do you got making it out of the playoff uh, play-ins? So in the East, I got the Heat getting the six seed. Um, they're about a game and a half back right now, and they've lost three straight. But they have a pretty easy schedule going forward. They are, I wouldn't say easy. They do have the Mavericks, but they also have the Wizards, 
who, even though they aren't tanking, are basically, I don't know, Wizards are weird, but I just, I think they can beat the Wizards. I think that they're like auto wins versus the Magic and the um, the Pistons. So I like the Heat to get into that sixth seed. Um, so I have the Nets versus the Hawks in the first play-in uh, for the seventh seed. And the second play-in, 9-10, I have Raptors. I think the Raptors are going to kill the Bulls, if I'm being honest. Not that I'm like a huge Raptors fan. I've been very critical of Masai this year. I think he's, you know, kind of held assets too long, um, you know, set a price too high maybe, or wasn't willing to read what the market was willing to pay. I mean, it was a weird market where we saw, what, 57 second rounders. So it's like, what is a second rounder? (laughs) But that being said, I mean, they have three free agents. Are they really going to sign them and just stay stay in eighth seed? And then they have another two free agents the following season that are even bigger, Mm -hmm. Noji and and Siakam. So uh, point just being, I have Raptors beating the Bulls and they're going to play the Nets in the second round because I have the Nets losing to the Hawks and the Hawks look a lot better. It might just be since Quinn Snyder because, like, oh, a new coach, new face, new energy in the organization. Trey's trying harder than I've ever seen him on defense. Not sure how much of a difference that'll actually make in the playoffs, right? I mean, he's yeah. still so physically limited, but um, at least he's trying. So I, I, I think the the, I mean, the Hawks they have a one, right? They have Trey. The Nets are like the play, team. God, like how good will LeBron James in his prime be on this iteration of the Nets, where they have so many three and D guys and like a great, mm-hmm. you know, like poor role player, but they don't have a, one of the best rim protectors like, in the league. Yeah, Claxton exactly. Bridges is you know one of the best like spot up shooting uh, defense combination wings. Cam Johnson can score from the wing. Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, maybe he's not as good as his defense was last year, but he's still a, a solid 3 and D wing, who I think most teams would like to have at 13 a year. Yeah. But, like, their guard situation is pretty sloppy. It's, it's Steph Curry, Joe Harris, Patty Mills. I guess the best yeah. part of the group is Cam Thomas. But even, even now, I don't necessarily think Cam Thomas is playable on most playoff teams. Like, in the future, I could see him being a sixth man, but not now. Currently, yeah. Yeah, uh... So the Heat and the Hawks actually have the, uh, or no, sorry, the Nets have the 24th strength of schedule and the Heat have the 26th. So they're both actually playing some pretty weak teams here to end the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Nets are in uh, a state of transition with that trade. Yeah. Um, and, you know, regarding the Hawks, I think it's interesting you said that about the coach because it sounds eerily familiar what we said about them a couple of years ago when they fired Nate McMillan mid mid season, everybody yeah, said, "Oh, they, they, they look rejuvenated." Yeah, yeah, they sound they feel rejuvenated. Trey's feels like he's playing basketball again. You know, it looks like he's playing basketball again. It just kind of remains to be seen. Um, so we got. I think I think you're right on with the Bulls. I, I, I mean, we've talked about them quite a bit on this show um, in the past about really them not retooling or rebuilding or doing something and instead trying to continue to bring assets or trying to continue to bring talent to the team, but not really with having any kind of fit. Do you see them making changes uh, this off season? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I think they're still bought into the idea of Patrick Williams, right. Um, You know, uh, 
the idea of him is that he is athletic enough in theory to guard threes and fours, right. To kind of give you defensively what Jonathan Kaminga has been showing lately. And who quick question, who do you like more as a prospect Kaminga or uh, Williams Kaminga, right? hundred percent. I mean, Kaminga is getting legitimate minutes and is yeah. producing like, Maybe at the beginning of the year, you could, but you could, yeah, I think beginning of the year, you could maybe, I think you could still have an argument for Kaminga just because he had more impactful minutes and more impactful times of the Mm -hmm. year. Um, Not much, but he had some, Uh, but now I think it, I don't even think it's a question. I agree. I think that he's made real strides and that Patrick Williams, we haven't seen yet, but there's still... I think bought into the idea of it to some extent. He is a great athlete at his size, although I wonder about the flexibility and people were comparing him to Kawhi coming out and he might be that premium guy who can guard both threes and fours and if he ever can manufacture some type of offensive versatility, it could be a good player that might speed up their timeline. But look, Lonzo's career is done. Vucevic is a free agent. Uh, Levine early in the season was struggling to finish. He's got five, four more years after this year left on that deal. Uh, 50 He's, million almost. Yeah, 40. So increasing 40, 43, 45, 49. And, it, and there's a good chance they don't end up with their pick. They owe that pick to the Magic via the Vucevic trade, right? And Who's it walking looks like it's for gonna, nothing at the end yeah, of the season, it, right? It, it, it's top four protected, and it looks like they're going to be a lottery team, but not top four, right? So. Right. The Bulls are in an awful predicament, if we're being honest. The They do have a year left team control into Rosen, who didn't really fall off much from last year. Levine, but if any, I mean, they got to get rid of they got to get rid of DeRozan, right? He's on a he's going to be on a twenty eight million dollar contract next year. That's, in my opinion, a steal for DeRozan. Yep. And you could trade him easily for assets. They just have to bite the bull. I mean, what do they do with Lonzo? I mean, I think you just cut, let Lonzo have one more year after this. You just let it run out. But that that's the thing, Coles, and I, I agree. But, like, why didn't they bite the bullet at the deadline? This team seems – I feel like the GM should be fired because I feel like the GM is trying to cover up his ass, basically. I think mm-hmm. he brought in these players. He brought in, you know, DeRozan, drafted Patrick Williams. Um, he traded for Vucevic, right? Uh, he, um, tra- he, he extended Levine. He was is committed to this vision of the Bulls and is not ready. He, he, I think his ego is getting in the way or diluting it from. I, I just they should have bought the bullet a lot. Is it bought the bullet? They should have bitten the bit, bullet. Bit the bullet. Yeah, bit the bullet. Bit the bullet way earlier, right? Like it's. Yeah. It, but I'm if if I'm the owner and they don't trade DeRozan this off season, then I'm absolutely like he's 35 years old. Like he's performing right. still at this level. He still has value and he only has one year left on his contract. Are you really going to extend that guy at that age, given your situation? It's they, they, yeah, he's younger these... than me, by the way, DeRozan is four, four months younger than me. So he's not okay. quite 35, but he's getting there. He's getting, he's yeah. getting there. But and like, I mean, but yeah, I just, he's a player with a ceiling in my opinion. I mean, we saw that with the Kawhi trade brand. Kawhi is probably, a, you know, a top, 30 player at his peak all time. So, yeah, you know, um, that being said, I just, I think if I'm smart, I would sell everything. I'd sell the house, you know, do you think they sell Patrick Williams? Do you think they buy out Lonzo? He's got two years, 40 million left, 41. There's no way he doesn't take his player option. Yeah. But the player option for next season or for for 24, 24, 25. 
Oh, he's got two shit. more years. So after this year, he's got two more years. I mean, he's. A I think they write it out. I think they write it out. I think the idea is: listen, he's going to pick up that player option. Um, I mean, I, I I do see a path for them to waive him, right? If they want to re-sign Vucevic, but I don't think that's the right call. I think you sign and trade Vucevic if you can. There's buyers on the market for him, and you can get anything for him, right? Um, I mean, they've done a terrible job GMing this team. They traded away Markkanen. They traded away, um, you know, players who have had breakouts in, in other places. And mm-hmm. uh, but their player developments looked awful. Kobe White's looked bad. I mean, again, Patrick Williams doesn't look like, you know, what people thought he would be. Um, so I, I, if I'm them, I, I wouldn't. i just write it out with Lonzo. But I could see a path where they're like, all right, we're going to run it back. I don't know why, but we're going to run it back. And to keep Busevich or, you know, they they stretch Lonzo. So instead of 40 over two, it's 40 over five. So it's $8 million a year, um, yeah. you know, uh, on their tax bill, at least. I, I could see that. But that being said, it's, I mean, I just, what do you do at this point? I, I think you take a hard look in the mirror and you say, we're not good enough to even make the playoffs. We're going to be out. Yeah. Right, and I think they're like going to be out pretty badly in the first round. I think the Raptors are a significantly better team than the Bulls. And there's still a chance that the Wizards sneak in over the Bulls too. I mean, six games left. The Bulls are only two games up right now. And, no, and if a, that there's... happens, then you really have to take a hard look in the mirror because it's like, wow, yeah. the, the team that is happiest with mediocrity, their peak is better than better all. than Yeah, yeah. So like – and like, are we really, are we going to just become the new wizards? Like, are we going to just like compete with the wizards for the worst run organizations? Like just mm-hmm. happy with being mediocre drafting in the tens and then drafting these players like Avdia and Rui Achimura and Johnny Davis who do nothing, you know, is that yeah. what we're going to be? Yeah. Well, they're starting to look like it. Um, they are. And uh, so, so coming out the play-ins, you got, uh, it was the Hawks and the Raptors, was it? Yep, and the Hawks getting the seven seed. Or sorry, okay. Hawks versus Nets in the seven eight. And I got the Hawks getting it, and then I have the Raptors beating the Bulls and the Raptors beating the Nets to get Nets. the eight seed. Yeah. So that would put currently Bucks versus the Raptors, Celtics, mm-hmm. Hawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and the Celtics just beat. The Bucks by forty tonight, uh, and they were they're full strength. They but but I do feel tw- like the Joe Missoula Celtics love to shoot threes, and so like oh, they yeah. can blow any team out by forty. Well, I, I, shot, I guess I they both shot the same amount of threes tonight. But what was the shooting percentages on those threes? Fifty-one versus thirty-two. Yeah, right. Made, so like they made eight more threes. That's 24 points. And that's, you know, yeah. I mean, out of 40. So, like, obviously they were finishing way better, too. But uh, there's nights where teams like the Warriors and the Celtics with the shooting personnel that they have, and maybe even the Clippers to some extent, um, can really shoot you off the floor. Like, it sure. just take away any chance. Giannis shot 27 times in 25 minutes and made 11 shots. I don't know if I've ever seen that poor shooting percentage from him. Um, he's had a really <laughs> tough offensive year. I mean, the, the Bucks are playing really great as a team, you know, but I, I don't think Giannis is even close to the MVP chase. Like he's still first team all NBA. I mean, he's still so dominant, sure. but this is a step back season for him. And 
you know, I kind of start to wonder the player who's built so much on his athleticism. Is this is this this is where we start to is see the it? decline yeah. of Giannis? Well, I think it's also he maybe has just not putting as much of an emphasis on the regular season. And it's just like, I mean, they have the best record in the, in the NBA. I mean, they're shooting, they're, they're coasting without him half the time. So do that. Why does he need to care about accolades during the regular season? It's nice, but he strikes me as a kind of person who just doesn't, doesn't really care about the, the MVP. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very valid point, especially because he's won his two MVPs, right? And like, I think what cements more of his legacy at this point is championships. Championships. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a per- that's a perfectly reasonable take. Yeah, I think, and the rest of the Eastern Conference, we got Bucks one, Celtics two, and then it would be Sixers Heat, mm-hmm. uh, and then Cavs Knicks. Cavs Knicks. Um, yeah, you're mentioning pre past. And you think that Sixers Heat series would be pretty fun? I mean, that would be another rematch of the Butler and Bead saga. Which, mm-hmm. if there's no beef there, I mean, they're it sounds like they're, they're friends. They're, yeah, they are. Uh, but I mean, two of some of the most fun players to watch. I mean, Butler just got that fire, and Embiid obviously is just he, him and Jokic are battling for MVP right now. Uh, who do you got in that series if when they play? The tough one. I mean, I've been really unimpressed by the heat this year. Um, but the thing is, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, their top players have actually performed pretty well. Like he rose out a nice season, Butler performed up to par, same with Bam. I do think there's an offensive ceiling on players like Bam, but Bam's been incredible defensively. I think the heat lead the league and shots the rim and yeah, Bam's not a rim protector, but like he's incredible in his own. He's an incredible on ball defender and you don't get shots in the paint versus the heat. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for his paint deterrence and how that matches up with Embiid is a, is a whole different story. We've seen it work yeah. in the past. We've also seen role players like Duncan Robinson, Max Schroes, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry play better than they have this season. Uh, you, like you, Duncan Robinson's not even an NBA player anymore. Gabe Vincent looks like a G League guard. Um, you know, Max Struess, who was dynamic in last year's playoffs, I thought, uh, hasn't been able to hit his shots this year. Uh, yeah. They don't have the same size that they used to. They never went out in the market and got that power forward to replace PJ Tucker, replace well, Jay Crowder. They other tried by getting a uh, Kevin Love. <laughs> well, and like I, you kind of get it to some extent, right? Like Kevin Love's defense can maybe be covered up a little bit in his own defense, so like he won't be as yeah. big of a liability and he hits threes. But that's also not working out like super well. I mean, Kevin Love is also washed, right? Like, he lost his job to Dean Wade, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean... Yeah, no, he's shooting 26% from three right now. He's playing, like, 10 minutes a game. I mean, he's effectively garbage time at this point. Exactly. That's 10 more minutes than he deserves, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he lost three straight. It's a, he, you know, and they're just... a Caleb Martin, I think, has played... Like so well, given he's been he's a six five power forward. I mean, his natural position is a shooting guard. I think he's a very nice three and D role player. They've really, you know, he he deserves the dog of the year chain because man, he's he's been health or mostly healthy, playing in a very difficult position and doing relatively well. I've been actually pretty impressed by him. But it's still, it's not like you want to count on that or like 
in the playoffs, it's not the matchup you want at power forward. So uh, I just, as it, listen, if, if we get the old Gabe Vincent, the old Kyle Lowry, the old Max Strews, the old Kevin Love, the old, and, you know, Caleb Martin can slide into a, a, a three or a two position. Yeah, I can see the Heat winning, but uh, that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot of ifs. So I'm going to take the Sixers. Yeah, I think you have to, and I don't even think it's really worth talking about the one verse eight and two verse seven because I think it's I pretty agree. clear. It doesn't matter. Although it is in the West, West, it is in the West when we get there. in the West, but it, but in the East, it's pretty clear. And then sure. so the remaining is the Cavaliers versus the Knicks, and word is that Randall's out for minimum two weeks. Uh, do we see Donovan Mitchell finally take that playoff step? Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, uh, the Cavs are like a really intriguing team to me. Um, I, I think they're a wing away, right? Like the, they have the they have great, like they're above average at every position except the most important position, arguably, the right? The small yeah. forward. We're like they yeah. might even be thirtieth in the league at small forward. You think I mean, Isaac Okoro is that bad? I mean, he he's just like a like they're already. I guess maybe that's the wrong way to frame it. It's like, okay, you're already playing with two non-shooters in Mobley and, and Allen, right? Uh-huh. And you really need to have a, a somewhat of a threat. You, you probably even need less defense, right? Because Mobley. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, usually you want a three and D guy on your at your wing at minimum, but you can probably just omit the D there at that point and just get a three guy. And like, I mean, and it's not even Isaac Okoro every night. Like some nights it's Isaac Okoro. Some nights it's Lamar Stevens. No joke. Some nights it's 6'9", white, slow as fuck, Dean Wade. When like they're like, yeah. he's the best shooter, I think, of the three of them. Or Seji Osman, right? And it's yeah. like, well, these guys are the best offensive players. We got Allen. We got Mobley. They're two incredible defenders. I think Mobley, you know, if, I think they need to the, – the way this team moves forward, I think, is trading a Jared Allen for a McCall Bridges type. Maybe not that, you know, exact trade, um, but like uh, – or a Dorian Finney-Smith type. And so that the Mobley can go to the five, I think he could be an anchor on a defense. And I, I've been very impressed with his defense this year. Um, Sounds really similar for a uh, Donovan Mitchell team. Yeah. It does actually, though, from – you're right, from the, the Rudy Gobert – and. But Donovan Mitchell's bought in defensively. I think Darius Garland's had a great offensive year. He's not finishing as well, but you've really seen him as a shooter and a passer. Like a, he's just a like an archetype of a player I really love as a number two, which is uh, someone who maybe is limited defensively at the guard position, but gives you enough shooting where they can play off ball and is a great passer and unselfish. You know, we were, I was talking to you about Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton earlier, that kind of more. I think Tyrese Halliburton could be the best number two in the league. I don't know if Tyrese Halliburton could ever be a number one in this league right. for a championship level team. But I would want him as my number two, say over like a Jalen Brown or a, uh, maybe uh-huh. even a Clay Thompson. Who knows? Prime Clay Thompson was so good. Uh, but anyways, I I, regret, yeah. um, I think that the Cavs, especially without Julius Randle, you know, um, are, are probably going to take the series easily. Uh, they're going to be a little thin at the three position. I don't think they make it past the first round, but I, I do think that, I mean, I'm almost hoping um, Tibbs gets uh, the Knicks into the fourth seed. I don't think that's possible at this point, but I think Tibbs is 0 for 3 with four to one exits whenever he has a like a four to five first one advantage. <laughs> we saw this a couple wow. of years ago. They lost four to one in the Hawks. So yeah. it would be funny to see Tibbs go out in the playoffs <laughs> again as a four versus a five and <laughs> getting beaten five games. Um, but yeah, I just, 
you know, I think Tibbs is a little too stubborn for playoffs. I've been pretty, pretty happy with Bickerstaff as a coach in Cleveland. And mm-hmm. I, I think Tibbs might be a better overall X's and O's coach. Um, but like, I just think he's kind of stubborn in the way that he coaches. So it's yeah. going to limit them. And the Knicks have also overperformed. Whereas the, I think, and not to say the Cavs haven't, I think the Cavs are performing right at where they're at right now. Yeah. I mean, they have the second best plus minus in the league behind the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, uh, Bickerstaff has been uh, really guiding that team to. I mean, they're they're almost twenty games over five hundred. I mean, not just. It's funny, like you look at these top teams in the East. The top five teams, top si- even six teams, I guess top top five, they're significantly over five hundred. Um, yeah. And. Cleveland Cavaliers are 30 and 8 at home, which is top five at home. So in the right. league. Bickerstaff is the king of playing big. He did it when he was in Memphis, right? He went Gasol yeah. Randolph and 6'10 Chandler Parsons at the three, right? Like he he's just always been a guy who loves to play big, who loves defense. And you know, I mean, he's had a lot more sex. I, I think Chris Finch in Minnesota is a better coach, but he's had more success playing big than Chris Finch. And maybe that's Cat's injury. Maybe, you know, there's a myriad of things. Rudy Gobert took a step back. I think that's true. And I also think Rudy Gobert just um, was more of an offensive liability than I realized. Um, yeah. You know, I think Quinn Snyder did a good job covering up there, but like you, you're seeing the success in Cleveland that people thought might happen in Minnesota. That's just not happening. So bigger staff yeah. does deserve credit. And, and I think yeah. the Cavs will beat the Knicks. Yeah. And so I don't think we, it's really hard to speculate past that. Um, but so we got, it, it's the East has a bit more, I think if, if anything, the probability I think is higher for teams to, or for it to be as expected in the mm-hmm. East. I think if you were betting on the East, the odds are probably a little bit more in favor towards the favorites. Whereas you look at the West, I mean, you could, I think a lot of these series, you could basically flip a coin and, I would argue the the highest odds are going to be 50 45 55 45 I mean at best and I think Straight that up. even includes if you look at teams like the Lakers playing the Nuggets in the first round I mean that sure you could I would I could, I would say it's almost 50 50 of betting odds um even with how good the Nuggets have been um but before we dive into the actual matchups uh of the actual playoffs uh the play-ins are still kind of a crapshoot uh, we're looking right now. We have the Timberwolves, Lakers, Pels, Thunder in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, we have New Orleans playing Denver right now. Uh, New Orleans is actually up. Uh, New Orleans lost to. Did they lose or they beat the Warriors? I can't remember. I think they they lost they, to the Warriors. They lost to the Warriors. It was great. So they, did they you see that game? Have, I did. Yeah, that was a great game. Uh, and so they don't. They lost the tiebreaker uh, for that, but. Dallas, I mean, now there's, it's been what? Kyrie's been there for what? Five, 10 games, 10 games at most. And it's already dysfunctional. I mean, who could have seen that one coming, right? But they're out of the playoffs right now. Um, and before we talk about the play in, I just want to briefly, I mean, we obviously always going to have thoughts about Kyrie and Luca. Um, and we were talking pre, uh, pre-cast on what we think is going to happen with the Mavericks. I mean, I personally think kids gone day one of the offseason uh, for the Mavericks because they're not going to make the play in. 
and you were calling the GM to get packy. I mean, do you see both of them possibly getting removed? I do, but I, I you made a great point when I said like Nico Harrison, right? And you said, let's be real, Mark Cuban's calling the shots. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you can't fire Mark Cuban. And I actually wholeheartedly agree with that. I think I think it's very probable that both of them get fired, but I don't think that fixes the issue, right? Which is Mark Cuban uh, as a um, as an owner, right? He's had two generational players now, one championship. You know, I mean, he's infamous for the Warriors beating him as a, the first first seed, to, eight seed to beat a one seed. I think the only eight seed ever to beat a one seed right. in the first round of the playoffs. You know, I mean, and he, he was. The other night when that inbound play and the Warriors got in, the stupid Mavericks <laughs> like took a two at the end of the game just to be within two. He's like, it was the biggest, most blown. Like he's you know, and yeah. I mean he's just not an effective like organizational leader, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Luke, I mean, now there's all these things coming out about people who don't enjoy playing with Luca. Um I mean, how much do you think is that real and how much is that just Dallas media needing to climb on somebody. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I, he came out in the press conference and he's dealing with personal stuff. Apparently in the locker room, what's his name? Basically told him, I don't like you. Like, J- like Tim Hardaway was like, I don't like you. <laughs> and it's like, shut up, Tim Hardaway. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, apparently JaVale McGee doesn't like him. Nico Harrison signing, like, you know, Christian Wood isn't a chemistry guy. He's known to have been bad in certain places, although he's actually not the problem for one. He's been right? he's like, been like one of their better players, to be honest. And that's yeah, one of the things right? about Kid is Kid doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to know or have the vision on how to put this guy on the court so they can be effective. And then you look at Dorian Finney-Smith was a was supposedly a great character guy, a guy who everyone loved, and you know, getting rid of him for you know. Kyrie, yes, on paper, it makes a lot of sense, but not everything is paper. And another thing about the Mavericks is, and to your point about Kid, is like, okay, your offense has to be, if you guys have any chance, and I'm just saying that not even at like winning at all, but any chance of getting out of the first round of the playoffs, your defense is atrocious. You need to be firing at all cylinders. Yeah, you can't miss. Yeah, and it just feels like your turn, Luca. My turn, Kyrie. Right, kind of like your yeah. turn, my turn. And that's not the best offense in the world, right? So, yeah. if that's going to be your offense, then like so to that point, yeah, kid has not coached this Kyrie Luca team as well. He got them to be really great defensively last year. We haven't seen that this year. Part of it's been Kyber's injury. At this point, now that Finney Smith's gone, Cliver's probably their best on-ball and and off-ball defender. And yeah. I'm not, it's not that I'm high on Maxi Cliver. It's just like just man, everybody else is that bad. Exactly right, and so it's it's just gotten it's a bad situation. You got a lot of bad vibes going on. My guess is we see some type of Hardaway and McGee trade for another bad contract. Who knows? Maybe even like Alonzo, just to you know. At least free Luca up and the people who don't like him. Luca plays in a very just ball dominant style, and I think which is understandable really, because he's so good. I mean, you gotta you gotta put the ball in his hand, but it does seem like of all players, Kyrie doesn't necessarily seem like the one you'd want next to him. Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't like what James Harden. You know, him with CP three was really effective because CP three at the time was an extremely good defender 
or at least yes. he gambled really intelligently. He was a really good defender. I mean, he was first team All NBA defense. True, right? true. Like, and he, he was a great. He yeah, so got to give him credit. Good, yeah, and he had great hands. And he was also a guy who was willing to take the back seat, and he was yeah. efficient at what he did. Not to say Kyrie's not efficient, but I think I agree a little bit on the your turn, my turn thing. That's what do you do at this point? Kyrie's Kyrie's walking, right? You're not signing him. You can't I mean, sign and who, trade him. Who's signing Kyrie at this point? I think the Kyrie market is going to be pretty dry. Well, for the right like, price, I, I think he is sure. Price demand but Kyrie demanded a, a trade from Adam Adam because he wanted a max. Exactly right because he wanted, wanted a max. max. So who's going to give Kyrie a four year max guaranteed, fully guaranteed? And, and the whole thing is like, well, why would the Mavericks try to trade for him? Because there's this like implicit assumption. That he's going to probably get offered a four-year max by them, that's probably not happening at this point, especially if they don't make the playoffs. So now it's just like Kyrie has forced himself off of now three teams, and four. every time four teams. Wait, yeah, three, three. Sorry, three. It's the uh, Cavs, Cavs, Celtics, Cel- and now Nets. You're right, three yeah. teams. And but it'll be four with the Mavericks, right? Yeah, and that's not really forcing. That's just not just refusing to sign. Yeah, good point. The, the extension or uh, not even extension, just a new deal. I mean, it, it is an extension, but he's asking for a new deal. I don't know. I don't know what happens to him. It's, and the thing is tonight he came out and said, he's playing, playing the victim card again. Like it's not my fault. You know, it's not, you know, I didn't expect this. I, I didn't want to ask for a trade from the nest. And just like, it's, it's, it's kind of what anybody who is looking beyond just the talent level would have seen coming, um, which I think a lot of people did. I did see, yeah. to be honest. That's why I do feel like it was a Mark Cuban trade, right? I think most GMs, I mean, I can't say that this is just spec. So, you know, like this could just be false, but like, I think, you know, and Nico Harrison did have a relationship with Kyrie Irving. He was a former Nike exec and Kyrie was signed under Nike. And so he does have a, a relationship, a working relationship. But I do think like, you know, Cuban was the one who was just all a star on the market. Usually it's owners, right? Matt Ishbia takes over the Suns and they weren't able to get a Durant deal until he did. And then he's like, I want to, you know, like, and he was the, he, the new ownership in Phoenix was the one that pushed that deal over the table, right? It's generally ownership saying, you know what? I want get this, this player. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So I do feel like it was Mark Cuban. who was just like, we got to make Luke happy. We got to get him a second star. And, you know, was willing to gamble. And, you know, I mean, it's, you understand the gamble to the extent you and me sit both said on this podcast, we understand it. Will we do it? Absolutely not. Right. Yeah. And maybe Kyrie does offer the highest upside to this team if utilized correctly, but like getting Kyrie what does that to buy mean? in. Yeah. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. And then getting Kyrie to buy in, like how many people, coaches, players, like LeBron James couldn't get Kyrie to buy in, right? Yeah. Like Kevin yeah. Durant, his best friend couldn't get him to buy in. Steve yeah. Nash, John Vaughn, yeah. Mike Brown, the other coach. Nobody, Kyrie, literally nobody. <laughs> he's just not a guy. He's a pseudo-intellectual who tends to think he's smarter than people. And so getting him to buy into anything that he doesn't manifest is really difficult. Yeah. And I, it's interesting that the Mavs are again involved in a trade like this. Because if you remember, they did this about four years ago with yeah. KP. And actually, when you look at the KP trade, that was actually not a bad trade at the time. I mean, at the time, I think there was a lot of people said, you know, it's pretty even. But looking back on it now, 
mean, they gave up a couple of picks, but they also dumped almost $70 million in cap space uh, uh, in DeAndre Jordan and... They had to take away uh, Tim Hardaway's was, bad contract, but then they extended yeah. Tim Hardaway, right? Yeah. Like, and, they, and who did they end up? And then who did they send? They also sent Dennis Smith Jr., who they ended up getting back uh, in a couple of year or two later. Uh, but I mean, and the, so the point is that they got this superstar player, and they also couldn't make that work. And even in that situation, um, you know, there was a reported good relationship because both Luca and AP are AP Euro dudes. And they didn't, yeah, they didn't get along. And now you get, I mean, I, and I'm making jokes like, what if, you know, Luca's kind of young and impressionable. You can't put him next to a guy like Kyrie. Kyrie's going to be like, you just got to start asking questions, man. Like, what are they doing to you? You know, and Luca's going to start taking that to heart. Maybe, I mean, we don't know the personal stuff, but maybe, maybe that's the personal stuff. He's asking too many questions, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, it's a very good point. I mean, to some extent, Luca is still very. I mean, he's twenty three. That's a great point. Bringing Kyrie around your star twenty three year old, I and mean, it doesn't sound like they have good chemistry to start. You know, just a guy of of Kyrie Irving's nature. Bringing it just doesn't seem like a wise decision that a rash business executive would made. Which is again why I kind of think Cuban was the one that was just like get him right. He was thinking yeah. about upside and wasn't thinking practically. Um, but, to be fair, he didn't give up that much for Kyrie. I don't. He think. he didn't, but the same way he didn't give up that much to get KP, he gave up a huge future asset. Right, that 2029 pick unprotected could be something. It could. Yeah. And like I still think Dorian Finney-Smith is worth a mid-first rounder, if not maybe even a like 14 late lottery first rounder. You know, like uh-huh. I think he's a really good player at 13 million a year. Yeah. That being said. I also think that, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, uh, or, or sorry, the, the KP trade, this pick, if they don't make the playoffs, that pick goes to the Knicks, right? So, like, that, yeah. it's still paying dividends to the Knicks, and this trade could end up still paying dividends to the Nets way down the line. I, I think that's a very good call-out by you for a similar thing, and are, are arguably even worse of a trade, right? Yeah. At least, like, so, it actually, that is a top, it is a top 10 protected pick. So, if they're in okay. the lottery... They could roll inside the ten and and get it, but that would mean next year's is unprotected. Right? Like they roll, that's which, how they, I believe how they do it. Exactly, and which could be even worse. <laughs> exactly, and like if Kyrie doesn't come back, and you know, I mean, like the the most probable thing I see right now is like a weird sign and trade with like Kyrie for D'Lo, right? Like some type of just a weird, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. It sounds. Sounds what team wouldn't want Kyrie other than like the Lakers or the Clippers right now? Like, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. want it. Like, if I'm a young team, you know, yeah. maybe the Raptors or the Clippers Heat, makes Heat, a lot of maybe? sense, though. I mean, Clippers makes a lot of sense because he played under Ty Lue. They won a championship together. Sure. I mean, you get those three, if PG and Kawhi can stay healthy, I mean, that's a scary team because you get two of the best wing defenders in the league. So Kyrie's kind of can play that kind of backseat. And I think both of those guys are willing to. I mean, they're the champions for Westbrook and not to say Westbrook and Kyrie are the same type of player. I think you could argue that their ball usage is similar. You could argue that their court usage is, is, is similar, but enough about the Kyrie can theoretically play off ball. Not that we've seen him do it very well in Dallas right. so far. He doesn't seem bought in again, you know, but in theory can. Yeah. Um, but more about the play-in. So we have the Wolves, Lakers, Pelicans, and Thunder right now with mm-hmm. – 
the Warriors out of the play-in by one game or in the playoffs by one game, the Clippers by two games, and the Suns by two and a half games. Uh, do you what, Who do you got for the play-in and who do you think is going to make it out? So I got the four, five, and six being Suns, Clippers, Warriors. I think the Suns, now they got KD back and they beat the uh, Hot Wolves team. I think they're about to go on a run. Um, uh, Warriors, I think, have a couple auto wins. Dame Lillard got shut down, so that should be an auto win for us. We got a Spurs and a and a and a Trailblazers game. Um, the other two games will be difficult, but I I think we'll probably go you know four and one in our last five. Um, you know, like the New Orleans game, I do think invigorated the Warriors. They they look like they're you know energized from so have not having Draymond Green for one game will hurt, but. I like the Warriors to get the six. So for my play, and then the seven eight game was Lakers Wolves. I had the Lakers making it out to the seven seed to play the Grizzlies in the first round, and then I had the Wolves, and then I had ten nine being Pels Mavs, and I had the Mavs beating the Pels. Um, so the for the eight seed would be Wolves Mavs, and then I have the Wolves beating the Mavs, and the Wolves getting the eight seed. And here's where it gets crazy, Colson. I got the Wolves beating the Nuggets. Wow. Why do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see that one happening? I think the Nuggets present a matchup that's favorable to teams like the Sixers and the Wolves and the Cavs and even the Lakers to some extent with Vanderbilt and an AD where if you can kind of neutralize Jokic to some extent, like PJ Tucker did um, and that have him beat playoff ball or, you know, we've seen uh, Anthony Davis neutralize Jokic and then, um, you know, Caruso and 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 uh, KCP really step up on their perimeter guys and, you know, they beat them in the bubble. I just think that the Nuggets are an excellent regular season team. I think Jokic might be the greatest offensive player ever. For me, it's, it's like probably maybe him or Curry like that good, you know, I mean, he's He's basically a seven-foot fat, slow version of Michael Jordan. Like his mid-range <laughs> is so butter, right? Like his passing yeah. is it's incredible. He might be the best passer in the NBA, but I just think you can kind of neutralize. Like that's one area where the wolf size really helps them. And you can kind of hide Carl Anthony Town on him physically, right? Just glue him to him. And Carl Anthony Towns won't be that much of a defensive liability. He's as strong as Jokic. He's long, you know. So as a one-on-one defender in the post. That's where Carl Anthony Towns' best defense is. And so you can hide him there, and then you can play Rudy Gobert in a drop and play him, you know, to uh, basically ensure that, you know, the other guys are neutralized from getting to the rim. It's going to come down to the shooting of KCP, Murray, and Porter, who are all great shooters. But, like, Aaron Gordon, you'll basically be able to sag off of him, right? And you have to play Aaron Gordon with Jokic because you need some type of defense at the four position, um yeah. so it's and a rim runner. Just, yeah so i think that the, the the wolves present fun i mean you got to remember as much as i disagree with the trade the former head of the nuggets is now running the wolves right uh john krasinski or something right and uh-huh. i feel like that's the guy from the office but something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. uh, eight million dollars to become the new executive of the wolves and his first move was to trade for rudy gobert mistake well, that being said, I think he was building an idea of, their, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of how to be the number one in the Mountain West Conference, right? And he has, and I, and so he built a team that I think, you know, I mean, could take a Nuggets team to seven games and even win. And a yeah. great coach, head coach. I think, I do think Chris Finch is a better head coach than Mike Malone. So I think they have an advantage there. And 
Um, you know, I wasn't bought into Anthony Edwards at first. I think he might even be leading the league in turnovers, but you kind of convinced me. Uh, you kind of got me into Anthony Edwards, and I've really come around on him. I don't know. Like, I think he plays up defensively in certain matchups, and the, the shot is butter. I wish he didn't settle for the jump shot so much. That being said, he's in a freaking clogged lang offense. It's hard not to. Um, I'm just, I just like the way he carries himself. Like, he seems like a fun guy who doesn't take things personally, but gets intense when he needs to. I just think he's got a nice approach that I appreciate. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think he has. Of the, I think he's an archetype of a player you want in this league, right? Or like a number one, wow. and uh, that can win you a championship. I don't know if he gets to that upside, but you know, I mean, he could take over a series in theory. Yeah, it, it's a good call because he has the second most turnovers of the league behind Trey Young. Yeah, who's third? Pool? Uh, Russell Westbrook actually. Wow, but pool uh, pool, yeah, so it's two forty two Edwards, two forty one Westbrook, two forty Pool. Actually, 235 Giannis. I mean, uh, Jokic. And then Giannis. But that's just more volume. That's more volume. You can't blame him for that. At the same time, when you think about volume, Edwards has the third most minutes played this year behind Bridges and Randall. And Edwards also has the third most steals this year out of everybody in the NBA and has the ninth most points scored. So this kid's just doing everything. And he's doing it at a high level. He's doing it while staying healthy, which I think, as we've talked about many times, one of the most best abilities is availability. And we're seeing that with Edwards this year, playing 36 minutes so far. He's played every game but two games this year. He's shooting 46% from the field, 37 from three on volume. On volume. I think where he could probably – And also a lot of those threes are difficult. Like I I genuinely think if you looked at – the shot difficulty, he's probably closer to a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, so he's... A lot of those are he, end of the shot clock bombs, right? Yeah, I mean, fudging some numbers here, you're looking at a 25-point score, eight re, seven, or six rebounds a game, four and a half assists, and one and a half steals a game on 46, 37, 6, 76 shooting. I mean, that's that's what you want, right? That That is a quality player in the NBA. He hasn't missed many minutes, so... I'd like to see him take that next. I think the next step for him is learning how to pass better. I don't, it's not like Jalen Brown, where I, I think like Jalen Brown can't get better at passing. He, or like he has gotten better at passing, but I think there's like a ceiling to his pass. I just don't think he's as smart of a player as Anthony Edwards can in theory be. Or like McCall Bridge is like a bad passer. But in theory, I think he could be a better passer than Jalen Brown, right? Because he's like a smarter player. I'd like to see Anthony Edwards take that next step passing next year. And again, I mean, it's hard, but he needs to try to get into the lane more. He's a butter shooter. He's got a sweet stroke, but like he he settles. That's that's my, and and I think once he, he has all the tools. I mean, he's strong enough to guard threes in this league, right? He could be that prototypical primary mm-hmm. ball handler who could also like be very good defensively in the right situation in playoff basketball. And so, I mean, he's strong. He's a, he's a shorter version of Zion, right? I mean, he's a, he's, he's a strong as hell. He's a football player, right? Yeah. It's actually a really interesting comparison. Uh, as you look at the leader leaderboards, you'll see Edwards, and then just a couple of notches down, you see Jalen Brown. Yeah. Now the difference is Edwards is four, almost five years younger 
than Jalen Brown. And way better at the same age. And like also yeah. like way smarter at the same age. Like Jalen Brown's really physically talented. He's not the smartest guy in the world or the smartest player in the world, right? At least not to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, he said some interesting things over the last uh a uh, couple of years, but he was very instrumental in the whole um uh Black Lives Matter stuff. So you know oh, you gotta absolutely. give him... I, he's a very intelligent person. I'm saying like his basketball. In terms of basketball IQ, yeah. Yeah. Uh so and that's I think I agree with you that Edwards definitely has the I, I think his the next his is is I think even beyond the passing, what really is going to set him apart is being more efficient. But I think mm-hmm. being a better passer will allow him to be exactly. a more efficient player. Uh, so so we had Wolves at the eight seed. And who did you have at the seven seed? I had the seven seed Lakers versus the Grizz. And guess who I have in that series? The Lakers? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's just, uh, you just have to, right? It's, it's like Dude, in the blood. My second round bracket is Suns four seed. Making it over the Clippers five seed Warriors. It's a four, a six, a seven, and an eight. Make it to the seventh round. One, three, one, two, three, and five are out. I mean, that's just testament to how close the Western Crazy Conference the is. West is. Yeah, I mean, and so that's that would another, be. Go ahead, go ahead. That's another matchup I really like. The Lakers, a veteran team, you know, and with AD and LeBron and and Vanderbilt and Reeves is. Reeves was like averaging 19 and six over the last like dozen games or so. I mean, it and D'Lo can shoot or give you something. The Lakers are peaking at the right time, whereas the Grizzlies feel like they're kind of, you know, like in a weird situation and they're kind of going through their bumps as a young team that well, they played that. really well without John Moran, but it's just, dude, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Grizzlies at this point. Uh, Jaron Jackson is an incredible defender. He's probably going to be a defensive anchor for the next, half a dozen years but like can you trust him to stay on the floor in big games you know Desmond Bain's yeah. been hurt can we trust him to stay on the floor is Dylan Brooks even a good player right like I mean yeah. he's a great defender but like offensively he's probably Black the worst hole. player in the league yeah well and it's the Grizzlies have also won eight of their last ten I think nine of their last ten so I mean you say that the, the Lakers are peaking the Grizzlies are certainly playing well too. Granted, yeah. they played the Rockets twice, the Spurs, <laughs> the Mavericks twice, yeah. the Magic, the Hawks. I mean, they're, they're playing so teams. So they had just... five e- auto wins in there, right? Spurs, Basically. Magic, and the Rockets, right? Like yeah. That's, you know, yeah. so and the Mavericks have looked like a disaster. They've actually played the Mavericks three times in the last 11 games. And they've won twice? They've won all three. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, so... Uh, I don't know. The Mavericks don't feel like a a sound team to me, right? Yeah, now. I think it's, I think it's pretty clear. Um, but yeah, so maybe their their recent record isn't indicative of how good that team actually is. And I agree with you. I think, and we've talked about that. The Lakers were out the plan, and they dragged themselves back. They're at five hundred, and they've dragged themselves back to being a relevant team. But that they were not irrelevant. They were relevant because the media was looking at them, but they weren't necessarily from a talent perspective. They weren't necessarily relevant until they made those trades. I guess the way I view it is, I think I take LeBron over Jaw in a playoff series, even at this point. Take AD over Jared Jackson, and I would take Bain over Austin Reeves, but not that by that much, right? And they don't have Brandon Clark. They're going to struggle with their second big. Is it going to be Santi Aldama? You know, I mean, probably some Tillman here and there. 
but they're not going to have great spacing. Um, they don't have Adams. You know, they're not going to have – I mean, Adams might come back, but Clark is definitely gone, right? And yeah, he had to he's towards a, ACL. Towards ACL. And, I mean, there's a lot of young wings on this team who you don't trust in playoff series. David Roddy, rookie. Jake LaRavia, rookie. Santi Aldama, sophomore. Zaire Williams, sophomore. Uh, it's just – John Conchar is a great young little role player, but, I mean, he's a two, you know? like. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, he can play in a playoff series. Luke Kennard, I don't think he can play in a playoff series. I think no. his defense is that bad. And, yeah, they might have to play him because the spacing is so bad there. But, like, Dylan Brooks, is he going to shoot you out of the game, you know? So it's it's just a team. You know, we spoke about the Heat with a lot of ifs earlier. Uh, you know, Memphis is just a, a lot of ifs. And the Lakers, it's hard for me to gamble on the Lakers, but it's just – you. You know, you saw with the Warriors last year in the playoffs. The Warriors weren't the most athletic team in the league. They probably weren't even the best team in the league. But they, they just, had th- that experience of that know with all yeah, that. Like, we yeah. played with each other for so we win to get, right? Like, in that experience, like, I think the t- Celtics last year were a more athletic, more talented team than the Warriors. But I think the Warriors just out-experienced. They vetted them, yeah. you know? Yeah. The Celtics looked green and young and, like, they didn't know. Like, they just got outsmarted, basically. And yeah. I kind of feel like and there's some good vets on. I'm not saying like Conchar and Tyus Jones and Adams. They're good vets. They're good vets. There's, there's mm-hmm. no denying it. But the Memphis feels too young, and the Lakers feel too like uh, too experienced. Yeah, exactly. Even though it is a first year coach, right? I don't think Ham's been a coach in the NBA. Uh, no. He's not a head coach. Uh, so it's but let's be honest, it's LeBron James coaching. <laughs> straight up, straight up. Like I mean, what. Like, I honestly think Ham is a worse accident coach than Vogel. And I might have been too critical of Vogel in the past. You know, I think Vogel was a pretty good coach. Now, I've kind of come around to it. But, uh, yeah, LeBron, it's LeBron's team, right? Yeah, yeah. So that would leave us uh, with two more series. And I, we're kind of coming up on time here. So I just want to make sure we can get through sure. Kings Warriors. Uh, we've actually heard Draymond say he wanted to play the Kings, but it was solely because the travel – it's like an yeah. hour and a half bus ride, which I totally get. Yeah. I mean, on a bad traffic day, you could get maybe three hours. Uh, sure. But the travel time makes it significant. You don't have to get on a plane. You just take again. Just they take can the sleep bus. at home at night, yeah, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. And the Kings last night, I believe it was the fans chaining that they want the Warriors. And I think it could be a really fun series. I, I mean, obviously, especially with the Mike Brown and, and Kerr, that's going to be. And the, I think what's going to be so fun about it is there's no bad blood here. There's no, no bad blood from like maybe a for Harrison standpoint. Barnes, but just him, right? Because we chose and I don't even think, over him. I don't. I mean, I think if you ask Harrison Barnes, he would do the same thing. I don't think there'd be much bad blood there because he still got paid by the Mavericks. And wasn't Harrison Barnes like upset Draymond didn't invite him to a wedding or something? I forgot. I mean, there could be some. But basically, there's no like on. No, it's drama. not that. And that was like a half a decade ago, right? You know? Yeah, and there's no there's no rivalry there, so it'll be. There's two really good basketball teams. And obviously, Draymond's going to stir shit up. We already know that's going to happen. Sure. Uh, and it's going to get intense because it's playoff basketball. But uh, in a vacuum, you got to take the Warriors, right? I mean, I would honestly take Warriors 4-1. Like, no joke. But I I just think that I, I, I this is the one matchup where Draymond Green will just really thrive, right? Like, Draymond – 
the thing with Draymond to me is like I think he's gotten better every year. Like his finishing is the best I've ever seen. It is like he 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 loses a step, but he gets more skill. Kind of like Curry, right? Curry, although Curry's had a bad defensive season, more injuries, but Curry had his best defensive year last year, in my opinion. Like he looked strong, yeah. he was getting hunted, and he was holding up. Like to have a guard who can hold up being the weakest guard on your team and still like like Curry deserves a ton of credit, right? He was a good defender and even yeah. like a above average playoff defender. Um and, and Green's the same way. He lost his step. Like you saw him getting outboarded by Robert Williams, who could just jump over him and is longer and just 23 years old. But he still has that tenacity. And, you know, where he'll have a matchup where he won't get out rebounded, I don't think, is Sabonis. Like he, Sabonis doesn't get a lot of lift. Sabonis is a great rebounder who understands angles really well, but so does Draymond Green, right? I don't know. Draymond I think Sabonis Green's could like, drop 15, 20 rebounds a game against the Warriors. I think he's going to average probably 15 a game if they play. I think that's probably true, but I also think Draymond Green will average over 10 and we will win the rebounding discrepancy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I agree with you. He's going to get those rebounds. But I think we can win the team rebounding team battle. Rebounds, yeah. I, I don't think that they're – I think we'll be able to crash versus their smaller guards, like our wings, especially if we get Wiggins back. Now that we have Peyton back, it's going to make a big difference. So I just think that the the Kings have overperformed this season. Darren, Darren Clutch has been like – absurdly like efficient and in, in clutch yeah. time it's not something i i subscribe to continuing um yeah. and uh, yeah i mean the warriors have won the series this year i just think that they're the better team yeah that'll be fun and then to close it off it'll be the sun's sun's clippers you got, got the that. suns here and probably take them as my team most likely to make it out of the west they'll love really? it probably take the field yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's pretty I saw bold. The Suns game last night. Oh, I gotta have KD. I forgot they have KD. <laughs> yeah, they got Booker. They got KD. You know, Bismack Boyambo has had an incredible defensive season. Um, but the thing is, he gives almost as much back, like on the offensive. Um, offense, like, I, yeah. I think he might be the least skilled offensive player in the NBA. Like no joke. Like. Uh, but I saw something encouraging play from Aiden last night. He was setting hard screens. Um, you know, uh, just Katie and Booker, right? I mean, it's uh, yeah. it feels like the most dangerous combo to me. Yeah, is uh, is CP three playing right now, or is he? He is. He is, and I, I think a large part of the series will come down to him. I think he's going to get hunted a lot now that he's lost a step. And I also think that uh, you know he. Uh, isn't going to be, they're going to leave him open on threes. You know, is, is, is he going to be able to hit those spot up threes? It might shake it. Like the, the one issue, the biggest issue with the Suns is they have a, a legit like math disadvantage. They take, they're going to end up taking the least threes in the league, right? Like a lot of mid ranges. KG and Booker, mid range assassins. And like, and so is basically so is for KG, you understand it because it's like a layup for him, right? I mean, yeah. he literally hits it at like a layup percentage. You know, it's, it's yeah. nuts. He's, he should be taking those shots, but their other players, are they going to be able to hit threes? Like Josh Okogie, like he's going to get a lot of minutes. Like, can you play Terrence Ross with this already shitty defensive infrastructure? Like he might give you some threes, but like his defense is like yeah. atrocious, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's probably being generous. <laughs> it, it is being generous. He might be the one. <laughs> anyway, so 
like Terrence Ross, like you can't probably play him because the defense and they're already kind of bad defensively, right? So you're going to go Okogi and he's a zero offensively. Bayambo offensively. Obviously, Aiden doesn't shoot threes. Like, you know, uh, Chris Paul is going to, is not a classical three point shooter. Like this, this team is going to be like, they took 23s last night. I mean, you know, their best three point shooter is probably Damian Lee, to be honest. Either him or Terrence Ross, right? And I, but I do think you're right. You play Damian Lee over Terrence Ross in the playoffs because at least Damian Lee gives you something to defense. And he has the experience right? of playing in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, Terrence Ross has no <laughs> been on the Magic for so long. A long time loser, first time <laughs> winner. It's unfortunate. I feel bad for him because he was great in fantasy like two years ago. <laughs> but I mean, he's like he's, he's always been a great scorer. Like, I mean, but can he? Do it like I mean. I try to argue like, oh, this guy is like he's a sixth man. He's in a just a gunner role. He could be fine defensively in a different situation. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's just like some players are just terrible at defense. Like, and he's six foot six and like got long arms. And you know, I mean, he's not the athlete he once was, but he's not slow. As he's just a a guy who just does not give a fuck about defense or like maybe just doesn't have the know how. You know. Yeah, he's. Um, uh... He's probably cooked. I don't. I'd be surprised if he signs another contract after this year. I think he could get him in, but like you're right. I mean, as an end of the bench guy, just, I mean, he's a good shooter. He's a good three point shooter at this point. What else do you want him for? I mean, he can't do anything else. But regular season three point shooter, not even a yeah, exactly regular season three point shooter. But you might be right. You might like. I mean, you know, we saw with a couple players last year who were on playoff rotations or out the league now. You know, none that are coming to my mind, but. Uh, Oh, he dropped 30 against the Kings uh, just last week. Terrence Ross did. How, how many th- of those were threes? Probably all of them. Uh, he <laughs> shot 60, 60% from three. Let's see if I can pull up the uh, the box score. Yeah. Probably like made. I'm he made six threes. 18. So 18 of his 30 points, you know. Yeah. Well, but that's classic Terrence Ross. I mean, listen, he could gab it. He. he He's a good regular season three-point shooter, right? I don't think you can play him in the playoffs because of the defense. So, But the Suns legitimately might have a math problem if they're just going to end up taking twos. And I yeah. can see the Warriors beating them if they just take twos the whole you know series long. That being said, it introduces so variance. Clippers. Yeah. Clippers take a bunch of twos, too. It's not like that team has great spacing. It's Kawhi. I guess Paul George shoots a good amount of threes, but Kawhi loves his twos. Zubac is like probably their third best players. Like obviously has no stretch in his game. I guess they're playing Roko again, but like they weren't at the beginning of the year. He kind of seemed like he was out of the rotation. Markeith Morris looks cooked. Batum <laughs> looks like he's taking a step back, but I guess he's a capable three-point shooter. Eric yeah. Gordon, I guess, is a shooter to some extent. They have so. a bunch of guys who are kind of like at the latter half of their career, but can still hit threes in big games. You never yeah. know. I think, I think they have a lot of variance on that. That team could go out in the first round, but they could also make the championship. I mean, but that's it goes for a lot like of that teams about in the nine West. teams in the West. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so we got the playoffs starting on the 15th. So it's just over two weeks. Uh, so we'll probably talk a bit more about it next, next week, next podcast. Um, but uh, anything else to, uh, before we wrap the show up. Uh, let's go warrior 60, you know, try yep. to suns. Oh, ra- actually I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Uh, Blazers might finish with the bottom five worst record. If they get the number one pick, does that mean Dame stays or leaves? Oh, he better stay because then he's just to play with the, your boy Victor Wimbayama. Victor Wimbayama. <laughs> That'd be they'd immediately sell 
Nurkic, get out of here. We're buying. We'll give you ten dollars to leave or something. You know, just get rid of him. What a bad signing that was. Yeah. Resigning. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Who would you rather have, Nurkic for four years, whatever he has left, or Ben Simmons for two years or whatever he has left after this season? Well, at least you can put Nurkic on the floor. Yeah. I'd probably put probably put Nurkic. I mean, neither of them obviously are going to. Yeah, neither of them are contributing to W's, but and Ben Simmons even less out because he's literally not on the court. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a sad state of upstairs. Maybe that's something we can talk about next time about what's going to happen because it's 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 sad. It's it's falling right? Yeah, it is. Um, but thanks everybody for listening to uh, another edition of Lost the Handle. We will catch you next time.